Our text today, whether you know it or not, is the, is the final installment of a seven-week continuous progression through Mark's gospel. This, this stretch of scripture details the ministry of Jesus that leads up to his entrance into Jerusalem and is situated here toward the end of the church here where we uh, read it and preach on it today for the very purpose that we would prepare for our end. We would prepare for our entrance into eternal life. In today's reading, Jesus invites us to see and to hear, not as the world does, but with eyes of faith and with ears open to the true gospel. Today, St. Mark introduces a title, a title for Jesus that needs some unpacking, and that's what we're going to do. What does it mean for Jesus to be called the Son of David? To get there, we're going to first go to Ezekiel and Daniel, and then on to uh, uh, the Lord's interaction with King David himself. And we're going to do this in order for us to help us understand the use of titles in the scripture and their implications on an eternal level for us. We begin with Ezekiel. To Ezekiel the Lord spoke, saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, who have eyes to see, but see not, who have ears to hear, but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. And to Daniel in the Old Testament, he also received the title of Son of Man. But in the Old Testament, the title Son of Man was God's way of humbling his servants. It spoke to their place before him and how his word was greater than their own. But here's where we get a little bit of a shift and how these titles are used in the scripture. The title, specifically the one Son of Man, is deified. It's deified within the prophetic vision of Christ coming into the earth. Christ coming to us in order to save us. Daniel writes out his prophetic vision. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, that's God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Ezekiel and Daniel received God's word and recorded the prophetic vision, which provide for us a guide to the fuller understanding of Jesus' ministry to the blind and deaf. And soon, why in Jerusalem Jesus must cleanse the temple, which has become the rotten root of Israel's rebellious house. Now, on his way to Jerusalem in our text today, Jesus encounters a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who cries out to Jesus with another title. Son of David, have mercy on me. He shouts out now once, but many times over, Son of David, have mercy on me. His persistence is piercing and pesky. The people around him 
don't care for it too much. And so they rebuke him and they tell him to be silent. But Jesus stops. Jesus stops them as well and commands them to call him. They have a sort of blind rebellion against the one who calls out for the son of David for mercy. The crowd have eyes to see and ears to hear, but they rebuke the blind man who profoundly professes and proclaims aloud his faith in the son of David. So seeing, they see not, and hearing, they hear not. Rebellion as old as the fall of man surges through their veins. They are more blind than the blind man and deaf to what they hear. Like the Son of Man, the title Son of David has now also been deified in Christ. In Jesus, these titles are the proclamation of his holy incarnation and point to the, to the messianic kingdom which Jesus brings to save us. Jesus is the Son from above who came to dwell among us in the flesh as one of us. The Lord spoke to King David concerning these things long, long ago, concerning Jesus, who would be both from above and an offspring from his own line. He said this to him, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Jesus is that son of David from above and from David's own line. What we learn from God speaking to Ezekiel and Daniel and then now to David, King David, is the importance of who this son will be, who he is, and who he will be for a people like you and I who are lost in our sin. Jesus is sent to our rebellious world and finds us as predicted, having a rebellious house, blind to faith, and deaf to the gospel. The account of the blind, begging Bartimaeus is Jesus' last recorded miracle before he enters into Jerusalem to be crucified. It serves as a final warning for what lies ahead. In front of Jesus are the persecutions and the anguish of the cross, where he bears the world's rebellion in his own flesh, all our blindness, all our deafness, all of our sin. This speaks to one of the hallmarks of, of Mark's gospel. It's, it's really interesting that he records all these various themes, the themes of the blind and of the deaf, but also of the mute. He details Jesus' encounter and healings of those with these bodily afflictions, but he is doing so much more with, the, with these things. He, what he's doing with these is, is driving forward with intended purpose to teach us a greater spiritual ailment in the world. That the world has fallen into all sorts of blindness and deafness and muteness in speaking what is true and right. And so what Jesus is doing in our text today is preparing hearts 
to believe in Him. To be truly prepared for the end of our life. What does it mean to be prepared for the end of our life? To be prepared for eternal life. It is to see Jesus. It is to hear Jesus. It is to profess Jesus. So the hearing miracles are more than God acting out his good graces among his people. They are in fact true indicators of what love God has for his world, for his people, for those like you and I lost in our sin. Since apart from his saving grace, we would truly be lost forever. If you are concerned that you do not see or hear or profess Jesus and are unprepared for eternal life in and of yourself, you would be correct. No one in and of themselves is perfect apart from the grace of God, apart from his saving grace. Perhaps that is why the comparison of the blind begging Bartimaeus and the text that we had a few weeks ago of the rich young ruler is an adequate one. Bartimaeus has nothing. The rich young ruler has all things but no, no faith in Jesus. Among the many parallels, we will just focus on one thing. One of the most obvious in our text today is how Bartimaeus throws off... Remember, this is Bartimaeus. He's blind, but he's also begging. So he has nothing. He, he throws off perhaps the, the most valuable thing that he could possess... His one and only cloak. The thing that would keep him warm and protect him from the elements. He throws it off in order to rush Jesus to come to the place and the seat of mercy. Bartimaeus throws off perhaps his most valuable and only possession of his, his cloak, while the ruler cannot bring himself to sell one thing and follow Jesus. To the blind man, Jesus exclaims that his faith has made him well. But the ruler goes away sad because following Jesus means needing him more than anything else that you would love in this world. And that's the point ultimately. What do you love? Is it God or something else? Do you beg for mercy or do you clutch your pride? We are told that it was faith that made Bartimaeus well. The trouble is that many rebuke coming to Jesus with nothing and needing his mercy. So what they do is they exchange a kind of humility for a curiosity, a curious pride. And so it swells up into false belief, false followers of Jesus. It's the curiosity that kills the creation it is the knowledge of Jesus without faith. It is that curiosity for which many follow Jesus around, but then ditch him in the sight of any sort of trouble. It is that curiosity that enables the pride of knowing better than that blind begging Bartimaeus who cries out for the mercy of the son of David. What could he know that those who have much do not? The disciples and the crowd hardly have an excuse for this kind of arrogance. Again, those great themes in Mark's gospel have been a ministry of Jesus to the blind, the deaf, and the mute. Yet they show themselves here that they reveal their true nature, rebuking 
a rebuking and rebellious world, is more blind than the blind, more deaf than the deaf, more mute than the mute. So what is Jesus calling us to do and to prepare us for than anything else than that we would be set apart for him and not to ourselves? What sets us apart and truly prepares us to enter into, enter into eternal life is not that rebuke or rejection of those cries for mercy, but our joining of the Bartimaeus choir, that we too would cry out to Jesus for mercy, begging for what can only be given as a pure gift, grace, the forgiveness of all of our sins. And so in this sense, we embrace the irony of what is blind and what is deaf and what is mute. Forgiveness is this impossible thing for man to grasp and to cling to. Forgiveness is an impossibility of man to gain apart from Jesus' mercy. To be Christian is to receive from Jesus the faith that makes well. Forgiveness of all of our rebellion, all of our sin. It is to embrace the irony of the cross that from death comes life. From blindness comes sight, from deafness comes hearing, from muteness comes speech, all by the hand of God. Eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear Jesus, and a mouth that professes Jesus. Seeing by faith, hearing the gospel, and professing the Son of David as Lord and King and giver of mercy. To be Christian is to daily repent and believe, or as Bartimaeus put it, to cry out to Jesus for mercy and to follow him. What will you do with such mercies? Bartimaeus, having received his sight, followed Jesus, presumably walking with him into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there are so many great dangers and great unknowns. In this rebellious world, There are great dangers, and there are great unknowns. What will you do? I urge you to take courage, to be like your brother Bartimaeus, and to cry out to God for mercy, following Jesus. At this time in the church year, we consider our end and prepare our hearts to meet him. You may know the story, But Martin Luther, at the end of his life, had written his final words, found in a pocket of his after his death, where he wrote, We are all beggars. This is true. So with Bartimaeus, we beg. But we beg with faith and hope and joy and with great expectation, because we have Jesus. We do not look within, but we look to Christ for our redemption. We look to God's faithful for our examples, like St. Paul, who understood Bartimaeus well. St. Paul, who having himself been blinded by Jesus and healed, aptly summarizes our life in Christ in this way. We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen.